<laughs> Good morning, Rock Creek Church. How, how many of you feel like that? Like you look at people and you're like, don't you know how busy and important I am? I have so much to do, you have no idea. And it makes us feel good about ourselves, <laughs> doesn't it? So if you haven't guessed, this morning we're talking about busyness because that is one of the things that can kill your joy this Christmas season and beyond. So we've been going through this series, as Brian mentioned. Last week, Brian kicked us off with discontentment. So I encourage you if, you, if you missed last week or if today's your first time, go back and listen to his message, either on our app or our podcast, because he killed it. Apparently, he's discontent with me for some reason this morning. <laughs> Not sure what I did, but we can talk about that later. Oh, goodness. So we're going to talk about busyness. And many of you feel busy, I am sure, because it's December, it's Christmas, it's coming up, there's lots to do, and we all feel busy. But again, I don't think I need to convince you that it can steal your joy this Christmas season. So we're going to jump in and talk about this topic. And as we jump into this topic, I want to broaden out um, and take a step back and look, because sometimes we get so focused on our own lives, busyness can do that, we're so focused on everything that we have to do, everything that we have to accomplish, but really the problem isn't just that we as individuals have a lot of things to do, the problem is that we live in a culture that is characterized by busyness. Our whole culture, we live in a world that is busy, busy, and busy. Everybody's busy. Nobody has enough time. Nobody. We're always rushing to the next thing, or we're trying to multitask to make, you know, make it feel like we're productive. I am not a good multitasker, so that's probably why I think it's a bad idea. Manda, on the other hand, is the, the queen of multitasking. She swears by it. She swears that she can do seven things all at once. We consistently have this argument. I think it's because supposedly women are better at multitasking than men. So supposedly, I don't know. But really, when I try to do it, I just do a lot more things more poorly. So, but we do this. We, we, we always, we're always rushing to the next thing. We're always trying to multitask. We're always trying to be productive and efficient. And that's the world that we live in. But have you ever stopped to, to ask the question, how do we get here as a culture? Because again, when we're so busy, we're going to the next thing to the next. Sometimes we don't slow down and, and question, how do we get here? And I don't know if you've ever thought about it before, but we as a world, as a culture, especially in America and in the West, we haven't, as a human race, we haven't always been this busy. We haven't always been like this. There was a time in history where we didn't have wristwatches, where we didn't have phones in our pocket, where we didn't have clocks in every single room to tell us exactly what time it was. There was a time where that didn't happen. And ultimately, what happened is the human race, we lived and worked in relation to the rhythms of the natural world, right? The sun goes up, you work, the sun goes down, you stop. There's, I mean, we had candlelight, but there was only so much you could do by candlelight for a very long time. So somewhere along the lines, or not along, somewhere along the way, we as humans changed. And one of the biggest, thing, biggest shifts in human history is the Industrial Revolution in the 18th century, where if you think about it, that shift, a lot of great came from it, but we as a culture begin to think about work and life differently. All of a sudden, productivity and efficiency became everything. Those became our chief values, right? And so we had the invention of the light bulb, where all of a sudden, we weren't governed and dictated 
Uh, our work wasn't dictated by when the sun was up or when it was down. We could work into the night as much as we wanted to because we had artificial light. We had the invention of the wristwatch. Now, human beings, we, we've been able to tell time for a very, very, very long time throughout human history. But once we started to figure out how to get these things on our watches or, or on our wrists, we then had our schedules governed and dictated by time. We could keep track of things by the minute to the second. And so now we get frustrated when someone's five minutes late. Some cultures haven't caught up to that, but we have for sure, because we're productive and we are efficient. Then, also, some of you may remember this. I, I personally don't. I'm not sure if I've really... I was really aware of it. Maybe it's because I wasn't raised in church or anything, but there was a point in time where businesses would shut down on Sunday. Maybe not all of them, but most, a lot, would shut, just shut down completely on Sunday. And now we've moved to a 24-7 culture where we are constantly open, open for business, for service, 24-7, uh, 365 days a year. And we have this expectation, don't we? I, uh, as I was thinking about this, I actually love the 24-7 culture because I like to get what I want right when I want it. <laughs> Don't you? Yeah. I was thinking about it. There's been a handful of times where I've gone to Starbucks because I love coffee, probably around like 9.30 at night, only to be thwarted because it's closed. And I'm like, Starbucks, what is wrong with you? Haven't you caught up to Walmart? Like, we need our coffee at 10 p.m. at night because we're working because we're trying to do more because we need it. And then there's the invention of the smartphone. And a lot of inventions led up to that. I mean, it started with the pager, we had the car phone, the cell phone, the dumb phone, now the smartphone. So now we have these devices that we carry around. I'm an Android user. I like Android, you iPhone people. You think you're better than everybody else. You're not. <laughs> but we carry this device around with us everywhere. So now, People have access to us whenever they want. They can shoot us a text message, an email, and we have instant communication. So we feel this pressure to constantly connect ourselves with the world. And so not only do we expect others to respond to us immediately, we also feel the pressure to respond immediately. So as a culture, we've seen this, this shift in this, this trajectory where we're getting busier and busier, more connected, and we're just going and going and going. Productivity, efficiency are our chief values. And I don't know if you, you've probably heard about it. We're heading somewhere in the future where there will be self-driving cars. It's been in production for quite a while now because, I mean, I can only imagine the main reason for this is we want to be able to get stuff done while we're traveling. Some of us try to do that already, and it gets us into trouble, right? I feel the temptation too. Have any, anybody here feel the temptation to pull out their phone while they're driving? Or maybe at a stoplight or something? Yes? The rest of you are liars. <laughs> Seriously, right? You're sitting at a stoplight and you're like, this is a waste of time. I could be answering seven emails. So we feel this pull. We feel this temptation. And busyness is addictive, right? We force it because it's the culture that we live in. We swim in it constantly. But I want to point something out, because I think what has ultimately happened with this trajectory, I think we as a culture and we as individuals, we have somehow along the, along the way have had our identity wrapped up in our busyness. 
Let me explain this a little bit. Because we've gotten to a point where we need to be busy to feel good about ourselves, don't we? We convince ourselves that if we're not busy, then we're not working hard or that we're not successful people. John Ortberg is a a pastor out of California and is a phenomenal writer. He says this. He says, busyness has become a badge of importance because if I'm not busy, then nobody's demanding of my time. And if nobody's demanding of my time, then nobody wants my time. And if nobody wants my time, then I must not be a very valued person. Now, whether you think about that directly or subconsciously, that's the way we often live. We don't feel valuable unless we're busy. Or we don't feel like people value us unless we convince them that we're busy. And I feel this personally too. There's, and this, is, this is nothing against anybody, but every, every so often um, someone will be talking to me on a Sunday after I preach or after I, I'm leading worship or something along the lines, and, and they mean well, they're just curious, so I don't hold this against them, but they'll ask me, so what do you do throughout the week? I'm like, well, this, <laughs> like this is my job. And they're like, you could fill up a, a full-time job with, with church stuff? I'm like, yeah, you can. <laughs> but in that moment, I mean, it's okay. That's okay. They just don't understand. But, but in that moment, I feel this pull. I feel this, this pressure to convince that person, oh, no, 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 you have no idea how quickly I can fill up my time and how many things that, that I can do and, and you know, how many things it takes to run a church. And to, I mean, I'm not even the lead pastor. Brian does an insane amount that, I don't know, kind of baffles me. But ultimately, I felt that pull, and I feel that pull in those instances, so I feel that because, again, there's still a level in my life where I feel like if I'm not busy or if I'm not perceived as being busy, then I'm less valuable. So I feel the need to convince others that I'm busy. That's the culture that we live in. Now, there's a major, major consequence to this culture that we face. And there's a, well, there's a lot of consequences, but the major consequence that I want to focus on today, and this is where our joy is really stolen, is that busyness causes us to overlook the most important things in life. It just does. It causes us to overlook the most important things in life. Think about your relationships. This is probably the biggest one. Specifically for, I mean, I, I, I think about where I'm, in, where I'm at in life. So if you're married, think about your spouse. When you're too busy... What usually happens? You feel this pull to work longer, or you feel hurried and rushed in your, with your time at home, and you just end up, don't, you, you don't spend the amount of quality, unhurried time with your spouse that you need to, to develop that intimacy. Intimacy can be choked out. If you have kids, Teddy is coming up on two. He's growing up way too fast. He's coming up on two, and I think about my, my kid. And for those of you who have kids, like, there's, there's moments where Teddy will come up to me and he can't really talk too well yet, so he'll usually just grab my hand and start pulling. But he'll, he'll want my time. He'll want my, my focus. And so he'll grab my hand and pull me to do something like play with Legos or some game that I don't understand because he's invented it. <laughs> and if I'm busy, I think to myself, well, this is a waste of time. Hold on, Teddy. I got to, like, I got to, I don't know. I make stuff up too. I'm like, I gotta tidy the house. I gotta put stuff away. I gotta do this. I gotta do this. Or I gotta answer this email. I gotta answer this text. And I, what happens is I look at my son, and I don't mean to do this, but this is what happens. This is the consequence. I look at my son and the time that he wants to spend with me, and it becomes a hindrance. 
I overlook the importance of just spending time with him because I have to be productive, I have to be efficient. And we do this with all of our relationships, right? How many of you wish that you had better relationships with someone in your family? A parent, a sibling, a child? There's a lot of hands. Busyness can cause us to overlook our familiar relationships, our friendships. It can destroy the intimacy in our lives. Beyond relationships, think about, I mean, it's, it's December, right? So we're thinking about the Christmas season. We got trees, we got lights, we got all these decorations, and it's fun. But really, what's the season about? It's slowing down to remember and celebrate what God decided to do. Stepping out of heaven into creation, becoming a human being to be one of us, ultimately to save us from ourselves. That's what the season's about. But we're so distracted by everything. We're so busy, busy, busy that we convince ourselves, oh, we don't have time to, to sit down and reflect on this. I know the story. I've heard it a thousand times. I know what happened. Now, yeah, Jesus was born in a manger. Okay, sure, we sing that song. Cool, I'm good. Let's get to the presents. I don't know, that's what I think about. <laughs> but again, the point of this season is to slow down and reflect on the beauty of that message and how important that is for the way we live. I mean, how often do we, do we really slow down and think about the fact that our God was born in a feeding trough? I don't know about you, I wouldn't want to have a kid born in a feeding trough. And God chose that entrance into human history. It's amazing. All out of his love for us. So we can just breeze right past the important truths of life because we're too busy. We don't have time to slow down and reflect on this. And then most importantly, we can just breeze past and overlook our relationship with God. Psalm 46.10, you may have heard this before. It says, be still and know that I am God. God says, be still and know that I am God. So, if you think about it, if you can't be still, you're not going to get to know God very well. This is one verse, but this is a theme that we see all throughout Scripture, is that we have to slow down, we have to be still, we have to listen if we want to grow in our relationships with God. We have to. If we're just constantly in this mode of go, 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 get stuff done, get stuff done, get stuff done, then we're not going to hear God's voice very well. And again, I feel the same temptation. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I, I don't wrestle with some of these things. When I feel busy, one of the first things I'm tempted to get rid of is my prayer time or my time in the Word. And because I have to do all these things for God, I can't spend time with God. I, I feel the same temptation. But, but busyness just, it can eradicate our relationship with God. So at this point, I want to stop and clarify something real quick, too, because what I'm not suggesting is that we just need to do less. That's not the solution to this problem. I mean, it might be for some of you. Some of you really may be doing too much. But by and large, the answer isn't just to, to do less. And the way that I want to talk about that is that there's a, there's a distinction between being busy and busyness. Being busy and busyness. Those are two different things. So I want to look at 
a passage of scripture. Thec- well, Second Thessalonians. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> Second Thessalonians, chapter three. <laughs> you try talking up here for thirty-five minutes. <laughs> See how good you do. So Second Thessalonians, chapter three. This is Paul writing, and this is a letter to this church in Thessalonica. This is a small letter. It's toward the back of the Bible. It's right after 1 Thessalonians and Colossians and Philippians. It's right after those books. But Paul writes this letter to a real church with real issues, real things going on. And it's meant to be practical, right? I don't know if you realize this. Scripture is incredibly practical. There's a lot of theology, but they always, the writers always follow up theology with practicality. Like, okay, if this is true, this is what you do. And so we're in this part of this letter. Paul is writing to this church And he says this in verse 11. That's what we're reading, verse 11 through 13. He says, We hear that some among you are idle. They're not busy. They're busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread they eat. As for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is right. And so to paint the picture a little bit, because I just grabbed two verses, or three verses. What Paul is saying is he's looking at this church and he says, look, there are people, and you probably know about them, that are idle. They're not doing much. They're not contributing to the church. They're disruptive. And he says, okay, what, what should they do? They should settle down and earn the food they eat. So for the early church 2,000 years ago, what they decided to do was they, they essentially decided to sell all their possessions, pool all their resources together, and essentially live as a commune, right? They lived together. They lived off of their pooled resources. And so if you can imagine it, that probably breeds moochers. People that just say, hey, I'm going to take that first step, I'm going to give all my resources, but now I'm just going to sit back and, and relax because you're all going to take care of me. So that's what's going on. And Paul says, okay, no, it doesn't work that way. Everybody needs to contribute. So these people are not contributing to the church. And so he says, they need to settle down and earn what they eat. Everybody needs to contribute if, if this thing is going to work. And if you notice what he says, he says, they're not busy, they're busy bodies. They're not busy, they're busy bodies. So what does that mean? I think this is really interesting. This is where the nerd in me comes out. If you want to pretend to be a Greek scholar, this is a great one, write this down. This Greek word that Paul uses is periergazomai. Periergazomai. And this isn't a real Greek word. This is, like, this is something that Paul took, and he just mushed a couple words together to make this word. It's kind of a word picture. And basically what it means is to work around and around. So busybodies kind of make sense, right? You're just working around in circles. They're appearing busy. They probably feel busy, too. But they're not doing anything that really matters. I don't know if you remember these old weasel ball toy things. Let me take a look at this. This is kind of what I picture them looking like. They're very active. They're doing a lot. But they're not, they're not going anywhere. They're just fumbling around in one spot. As I found this video, I also had to reflect on the fact that someone took the time to buy 30 of these, <laughs> put them on the kitchen floor, and film it. I took a small clip. This whole video is almost 10 minutes long. <laughs> So again, someone put a lot of effort into that, but are they really doing anything of value? No. <laughs> so that's the, this is the group that Paul's looking at, and I think that's so 
important for us to, to see this image, right? Because I think many of us, if we live into this culture, even when we're not busy, we feel like we have to be busy and we have to be doing things. And so we have to appear busy. We have to appear like there's so much going on and we don't have time for the things that really matter. There's a difference between being busy and busyness, right? That's what I mentioned. There's a difference. Being busy just means you have a lot to do. We all have a lot to do. All of us, right? That's not necessarily the problem. Having a lot to do isn't necessarily the problem. The problem is this internal disposition or a lifestyle of constantly feeling like we have to be busy. That's the problem. It's how we feel. Right? You can do a lot and you can have a lot of things to do and not feel hurried and not feel like you always have so much to do. That's possible. It's hard, but it's possible. Having a lot of things to do will not kill your joy. Fostering a lifestyle or a posture of busyness will. Does that make sense? What kind of lifestyle are you fostering? What kind of mindset are you fostering in your life? That's where it matters. I want to address one more um, biblical image of this to, to help us understand this. So this comes out of Luke chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, I'd uh, love for you to pull that out. If you want to turn on your phones, that's great too. Um, Luke chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 38 through 42. And this is a story about Jesus. You've probably heard it before. Uh, if you've been coming to church for a while, but it's, it's about these two sisters, Mary and Martha, and them spending time with Jesus. So starting in verse 38, it says this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And you can imagine, Martha's not feeling joyful right now, right? Get into the, the story a little bit. She's walking up to Jesus, and her sister's right there, and she's talking to Jesus. This is so passive-aggressive, right? <laughs> Jesus, can't you see that my sister isn't doing anything? She's leaving me to do all this work. So she's definitely not feeling joy, right? What does Jesus respond with? He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, Martha, you have so many things to do. He said, you're worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So you see... I want to break this down a little bit. Sometimes we're very quick to demonize Martha, right? I think Martha is doing what pretty much anybody else would do. Back in that day, hospitality was one of the greatest values of that society. Again, we've been talking about, for us, it's efficiency and productivity. Those are huge values of our society. Back then, it was hospitality. If you weren't a good host, then that could bring a lot of shame on your family. It was a big deal. And this passage even says that Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She did have a lot of things to do. 
And it was expected of her that she be a good host, especially for ancient women, right? And so she's looking at her sister, Mary, and she's, she's saying, you're, what are you doing? You're not living up to what's expected of you. Don't you see we have to be good hosts or else fill in the blank? And I wonder how many times we get in this mindset of we have to be efficient. We have to be productive or else fill in the blank. We're not successful. We're not good enough. We're not going to be seen as valuable. So, so Martha's doing exactly what society would have expected her to do. But in doing so, in getting caught up in that, that feeling of, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have, she was missing what was really important. Jesus, God himself, is in her living room, and her sister's there with him. And she goes up to them and treats them as if they're a hindrance. They're in the way because she has so many things to do. You see, that's how busyness works in our life. When we foster this lifestyle of always being busy and always feeling like we have to be efficient and productive, then we miss the most important things. And they might be right in front of our face. So with all that, I want to transition. And this is, this is where... I think this is the most important part of this morning, is how do we fight this? How do we fight busyness? We all know we're busy. We all know we have so much to do. We all know that this is how our world works, and this is how we feel. So how do we fight it? I want to give you three things. First, know your limits. Know your limits. This is huge. It's too often we try to do everything. And if you're like me, I like control. I like things to be done very, very well. And so sometimes I get my mindset of, like, if I want things done right, you have to do it yourself. So I very frequently get into this mindset of, I just have to do everything. But we have to know our limits, because if we try to do everything, we're going to end up doing nothing. We all have the same 24 hours in a day, all of us. We're not exempt from that. We have limits. So for some of you, I said that this isn't the answer. The answer, the solution isn't just to do less. But for some of you, you really do need to do less. You need to be able to say no to some things. And that's okay. For some of you, I mean, we as a culture, we treat promotions as if that's, that's the goal of work, is just to get to the next thing, the bigger thing, get a promotion. For some of you, a promotion would be the worst thing for you and your family. Some, sometimes you may have to say no. I specifically think about students. I'm, I'm a student ministries pastor. I think about students, right? You live in a culture. I mean, I wasn't even there that long ago. I was 11 years ago. That's when I graduated from high school. And it seems like the culture has shifted so much since then, but you have so much pressure put on you just to do everything, right? I mean, getting straight A's isn't good enough anymore. You've got to do really well in school, and you've got to do seven extracurricular activities, and you have to invent something in order to get into a good school. That's just not realistic, right? I mean, I guess there's, like, there's always one who can do it, and it's always frustrating. <laughs> it's just like you're not human. But sometimes you need to say no to that seventh sport or that fourth club. I mean, that's a big number. Hopefully you're not in that many. But it's okay to say no. It's okay and usually good to pick a few things that you're really passionate about, that you're good at, and stick with them and invest in that. Parents, I think about you too because... Again, you live in a culture that, that tells you the same messages. 
you have to do this, you have to do that, your kids have to do this, your kids have to do that. Sometimes you have to be the person to say no to your kid's busyness. And I mean, I'm sure you know, when your kid is busy, you're busy, right? And sometimes things that are good, like sports and extracurricular activities, sometimes if you do too much, you miss out on family life. You miss out on those relationships. You miss out on teaching your kids the, the valuable lessons that they really do need to hear throughout life that'll prepare them for adulthood. So there's just a few things. But again, we have to know our limits. Second, we have to reevaluate our priorities. And this is good too, because again, think, think about this. Right? I've been mentioning busyness will cause us to overlook what's most important. So we have to, again, slow down and reflect on, okay, what is most important in my life? And how do I make those a priority in my schedule? You are not a slave to your schedule. Sometimes it may feel like that. You dictate your schedule. You do. You can change it. If a job is toxic for you and your family, yes, the job search process can be really difficult, but maybe that's something you need to enter into. And that's a, that's a big example, but sometimes it's just little things. How, many, how much time do you spend watching TV? How much time do you spend watching your, looking at your phone? How much time do you invest in the things that may not be bad, but may be adding to your plate in ways that steal your focus from things that are most important? I want to point this out, too. I love this church. I love this community because... In many ways, in most ways, I think we really do a very good job of keeping the things that are most important front and center, right? Because if we were all too busy, the foster care Christmas party that happened last night would not have happened. That took a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of volunteers to pull that off, and it was amazing. That wouldn't have happened if we were too busy. We recognize as a church body that that's important, to love our community well and to sacrifice some time, some energy for that. Same thing I think about the, the, Juarez, Mexican, or the Juarez mission trip that, that happened just a few weeks ago over Thanksgiving. I don't know why it was over Thanksgiving, but it was over Thanksgiving, a very busy time of the year. I actually do know why it was over Thanksgiving. But this group of, I think, 30 people, almost 30 people, as crazy as they were, decided to go on a mission trip over Thanksgiving. And that wouldn't have happened if they were too busy. We have to keep what's most important front and center. You can't sacrifice your prayer time. You can't sacrifice your time in the Bible. That will ruin your relationship with God. It will. You can't sacrifice time with your spouse, with your kids, with your friends, with the relationships that are most important to you. If you sacrifice that time, then you're going to ruin your relationships. And the last point that I have is, is probably the most important. So I really want you to listen here. Because this is one we don't do well. We have to rest. We actually have to rest. And what I don't mean is we shouldn't just go watch 10 hours of our new favorite Netflix show and just binge watch for, I don't know, and feel, I don't know. I, yeah. It sounds so nice right now, though. It really does. We started getting into This Is Us. Well, Amanda's watched it. I'm trying to catch up. 
And that's an easy one, just, just to sit back and binge watch. But again, that can may, that maybe feel restful a little bit, maybe physically. But in the grand scheme of things, that's not real rest. And the, the kind of rest that I, I want to talk about is, it's a fam, fancy biblical word, is Sabbath rest. So the Bible talks about this thing called Sabbath. It's basically, it used to be, we've kind of moved away from it as a culture, but we've moved... It was one day a week where you would just cease all work. One full day a week. It was modeled after creation. God rested on the seventh day as a model to us because that's how we were created. We were built for rest. And as much as people try to get by without sleep, we try to throw sleep out the window. We, every single person on the face of the planet needs sleep. Even the people that, that try to get by with two or three hours a night, you need sleep. You need something, right? We're built for that. We need it. We need to rest. And what I'm talking about is good, godly rest that invigorates us and replenishes our soul. So Sabbath rest, really, I think for us, means breaking your routine to stop working, slow down, be still, be okay with silence. Sometimes when we rest, we, we have the TV in the background or we have music playing in the background. Be okay with silence. Spend time with Jesus. Read your Bible. Pray. Spend uninterrupted time with your family, with your friends. That's not hurried. Get rid of any sense of hurry in your, in your life for one day a week. Now, I believe that, that Sabbath isn't something that, that we're legally binded to as Christians, right? I believe that. But at the same time, have you ever thought about the fact that keeping the Sabbath holy is one of the Ten Commandments? It is the only one of the Ten Commandments that we will just look at and say, oh, yeah, that doesn't apply to us anymore. I also, I mean, Mark was saying that he doesn't think stealing applies to him anymore, so <laughs> I'd watch out for him. But... Again, it's one of the Ten Commandments. It's important that we rest, not because we have to to please God, but, but because we need it. Jesus himself rested. Mark 6.31 says this. This is an instance when Jesus was in the, in, in the peak of his ministry and so much is going on. He's very busy. It says, Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. That's how busy they were. And some of you may feel that. You have to skip a meal because you're so busy. They didn't even have a chance to eat. So Jesus said to his disciples, he says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And Jesus regularly got away from the noise and the hurry of the world to go be with God, to get away to rest because he needed it. And he was instructing his disciples to do the same. We need rest. So all that to say, there's a whole lot we could talk about it on Sabbath, but I'll leave that for another time. But this kind of rest, Sabbath rest, is hard, right? For some of you, the thought of putting a, an entire day a week aside sounds like career suicide. So maybe it's just taking a baby step, right? Moving in that direction. Not necessarily, I mean, we don't need to be legalistic about it, about like getting a full day of doing nothing, but... It's hard. It takes boldness because there may be a point where people look at you and question your value, right? 
We talked about how, this is, how busyness is so core to our identity at times. To slow down and to not be busy and to not have anything to do might be really hard. It might feel like you're being torn apart because your sense of worth and value is in how busy you are. But it's important because we need it. If we don't rest, then our joy will be affected. And I'll tell you firsthand, this is something that I've been getting used to. I've been trying to get into a rhythm of. Maybe a little easier for me based on my schedule. Um, but I've been trying to get a day where at the very least I'm not thinking about church work, about ministry. And that may look different for you. For some of you, maybe, maybe that's just, you've got to get to the mountains and play for a few hours. That's good rest. For me, it's, it's kind of been doing random projects around the house. I've been feeling really rejuvenated when I can get something done with my hands. So that's been something I've been doing. But we have to go after it. We have to go after rest because we need it, especially this Christmas season. So I gave you three things. Know your limits. Reevaluate your priorities. Take some time to do that, and then find a way to rest this Christmas, this Christmas season, and not just to, to waste time in front of the TV, but to really slow down, spend uninterrupted time with the people that matter most to you, spend time with God, and just see what that'll do for your life. I tell you, I'm, I will promise you that that will change your attitude, it'll change the way you see life around you. So whatever that is for you, I encourage you to spend time this week, this season, to reflect on what that means for you. And don't let, busyness close, don't let busyness kill your joy this season. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for what this season represents. That you literally stepped out of heaven, became a human being, in one of the lowliest ways possible out of your great love for us. You came to this earth to save us. Help us to not miss the gravity of that this season. Help us to, to reflect on that. Help us to grow closer to you. And I pray that you would help us to take a long, hard look at our lives the way that we live, the things that we choose to do, our attitudes, the way we feel in certain moments. Help us to take a look at it and prayerfully ask you what needs to change that we would better live into the joy that you've accomplished for us. Because you have. Scripture tells us that you've accomplished everything that is needed for us in our salvation. We just have to live into it. So, Father, I thank you and ask that as we continue to worship you this morning, that we would, more than anything, know that you love us, that you delight in us, and that you really just want the best for us. You want us to have joy. You want us to have life and life to the full. So we thank you, Jesus, and we give you the rest of this morning. Amen. Amen.